It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. We've got a good one in store today with uh, a lot of interesting stuff. It is April Fool's Day. Don't be expecting any really big gags. We're not meeting people at the top of the Mott Foundation building or, you know, doing pulling any pranks or anything like that but we will have some fun coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour the um a comedic illustrator and popular influencer sharon brecker author of miserable mom the do's and don'ts of sending your kid to college she'll be joining us uh, about her very interesting uh, and fun new book during the third half of our three-hour tour. In the middle, the second hour, we're going to talk with um, Ren Coy from uh, the UK. Um, he's an interesting, uh, interesting guy. He's talking about um, his uh, his experiences, his life experiences, um, being a recovering uh, uh, alcoholic and addict. Um, he was uh, a DJ and music producer under the name John Loxley, a.k.a. Lox. And um, then he had a, a kind of a, I guess, rock bottom moment. And he ended up changing his name and his direction. And uh, he's written, I think this is his fifth book now. He goes by the name Ren Coy, and uh, he's going to talk with me uh, coming up in the second hour of our three-hour tour. But first, and in honor of uh, April Fool's Day, we're going to have an encore with the uh, author of um, More Bad Days in History. Michael Farquhar is going to talk about... uh, some oops moments uh, from throughout history, and it seems kind of appropriate for for April Fool's Day. And don't forget, we have a big event coming up uh, now. It's officially April later this month on the 20th, in fact, on April 20th from 4 to 8 p.m. at the White Horse on, on uh, Court Street near downtown Flint. And we're having uh, the Tom Sumner Program 15th uh, anniversary and um, listener appreciation party. We're going to launch our 15th year, celebrate the past 14 years. We're going to have 
you know, pizza and pizza and punch. <laughs> there'll, there'll be a cash bar, but uh, not an open bar. Um, anyway, I hope you'll join us for that. Um, there is a suggested donation at the door in honor of uh, launching the 15th year of uh, $15, but um, but the most important thing is that you be there. We want to see as many people, because we want to try and re-energize the show now that, that people are starting to try and get back to normal. Um, I, I realize the pandemic is not all done, but as it's as we're moving on beyond it um want to try and reinvigorate the show it's gotten a little dull doing the show from the bunker every day we'll try and get out more and do more remotes maybe maybe i'll open a studio again i don't know what the plans will be but those are some of the things we can talk about what time of day do you like having the show on what kinds of things do you like on the show what kind of guests we used to do phone-ins. Would that be cool again? Um, I don't know. So many people listen to it on the stream that live phone-ins doesn't really work like it used to. But, you know, maybe we can go back to something like that. In any event, love to see you there on the 20th of this month. It's April 20th. It's a Wednesday from 4 to 8 p.m. at the White Horse on Court Street near downtown Flint. And uh, help the Tom Sumner program launch our 15th year of uh, bringing you great interviews like the one coming up right after this. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My guest this hour, this is going to be a lot of fun. My guest this hour is a former writer and editor at the Washington Post and is the best-selling author of numerous books, including the critically acclaimed Behind the Palace Doors and Secret Lives of the Czars, as well as a popular Penguin Treasury series, A Treasury of Royal Scandals, A Treasury of Great American Scandals, A Treasury of Deception, and A Treasury of Foolishly Forgotten Americans. And uh, his new book is uh, actually a follow-up to uh, his, his previous book, uh, Bad Days in History. This is More Bad Days in History, the delightfully dismal day-to-day saga it, of igno I keep wanting to say ignominity, but it's um, ignominy. You know, everybody, including me, uh, has a problem pronouncing that. It's ignominy. 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 Idiocy and incompetence. Say it any way you want it. I don't even, because I do. <laughs> well, it's, it's amazing. It, Every to a man, nobody can say it, including me. His name is Michael Farquhar, and as you can hear, he's joining me by phone. Michael, welcome to the show. Uh, Tom, thank you so much. It's great to be here. I was just saying, it's uh, regarding that, you know how there's so many words that uh, you know exactly what they mean, and you can write them uh, without thinking, but when it comes to saying them, uh, it's, a, it's a different animal. So... Uh, I'm actually kind of shocked. Get the gist, get some, 
I've learned something from your book already, Michael, and I haven't even opened the cover <laughs> because I thought the word was ignominity, and apparently it's not, and and that's new information for me. Well, I think maybe ignominity might be a variation of ignominy. Uh, the, you know, whatever the context is of uh, that uh, that went down in. Ignominity. I don't know. I really don't. Well, let me but, uh, let me ask you this, Michael, about more bad days in history. Um, and I've asked a lot of writers who write books that are um, sequential, and I um, the question is: Do you get to the end of the book and go, and think to yourself, "But wait, there's more." <laughs> uh, you know, that's a, that is a good question. I kind of allude uh, at the end of this one, there is more, uh, Volume 3, hopefully. But I'll tell you, I don't think that there's, it, because it's, it is chronological by uh, day, but it's not chronological by year. So you really are jumping all over history and all over time from one day to the next. I mean, you could be in ancient Rome one day and in the, uh, watching the, the goofballs in Congress the next. Um, and it also covers all different aspects of history, uh, military history, royal, <clears throat> royal history, um, so you're 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 kind of on a on a historical adventure uh, through time and and topic. So at the end, you're just um, I don't think you're like okay. Well, I I can't believe that single topic is over. Is there any more? Um, Michael, it's more like wow. I hope it's wow. What's What's interesting to me about this is um, the the <laughs> negative bend you take on history for for a lot of people. We tend to look back either at our own lives or at history and try to remember the good days. What is it about Michael Farquhar that looks back and says, I want to remember the bad days? Well, you know, I, <laughs> in my personal life, I remember the good days. In my uh, in my writing and in my reading, it's it's not like I'm, I'm trying to find, you know, something negative. It's more like... The bad days, if you look at them under the umbrella, oh, my God, that's incredibly embarrassing, or, you know, they were really left with egg on their face. It's kind of, it's the unexpected side of history that you really did not learn in history class. It's George Washington being mortified by his mother. It's Einstein uh, weeping over his wife leaving him when there's no mystery as to why when he writes this list of demands, like, you will stay out of my room. It's not that I'm looking for trouble or to uh, or to be negative. It's just um, it's ironically it's the worse it is in terms of embarrassment, the more fun it is, and it and it sheds more light on um, a lot of historical figures. Like just take the founding fathers for example. We enshrine them in marble. We treat them as infallible Debbie gods, and the fact of the matter is that at the end of the day, they were just like the rest of us. They could be very petty, very, <clears throat> very mean. They got, you know, a lot of them hated each other. Um, but imagine all these guys who really don't, a lot of them who don't like each other, stuck in this hot room, raging B.O., and hammer out a new nation. Now, that's... That's a pretty cool perspective. Uh, I think it humanizes them. It makes their accomplishment to me that much more impressive because you are 
a little bit dehumanizing them when you treat them like they were infallible demigods. This is this is the real guys, and look what they did. And, and when you tell some of these stories, Michael, it, there are things that we learn that are unexpected. I remember reading a little passage about uh, uh, President Ulysses S. Grant getting speeding tickets. And I was so surprised yes. that speeding tickets existed in the age of, of horses and carriages. Yeah, it's uh, it does, it, that's precisely the kind of historical quirks uh, that I love and that I like to include. It's, um, you know, I want you to be able, I, I want you to do what I did when I found them uh, while doing research and uncovering these little nuggets and going, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> Who knew? Exactly. And, and how do yeah. you do that? How do you find these little nuggets? Because... Um, they're not the things that, that are common knowledge. You're right, and uh, I think it comes from several uh, several ways, Tom. You are, let's just say you're researching uh, something that you just stumbled across um, in a footnote, and you go, wow, why is that in a footnote? That should have been included in the biography, although the, the biography is already 800 pages. I guess the editor said get it out of there. But I want to follow up on it. And so you start researching that anecdote from from whomever, and you're going, oh, wow, this has also happened to one of his contemporaries in this other thing that I'm reading. Oh, this happened to his son or his daughter or his wife. And you just go deeper and deeper into a rabbit hole. You you come up with these, these wow, and uh, it's a thrill. Now, here's where the bummer is. It's... Um, it's not just enough to read something and go, oh, I didn't know that, and then slap it in the book. I mean, you, you, they have to be thoroughly researched. So, you know, you find something, you, you then you follow up with the professors who know something about it, or the biographer, and then you go, yeah, it, it really is true. It was too good to be true, and yet it is. The bummer is is when you go, after weeks of research or days of research, you hit this wall of, oh, damn, this was a myth. This was used to smear so and so. It was made up entirely, and this wow thing is not is not true. Although, <clears throat> uh, oddly, that can also be spun into a bad day. It's when so and so was smeared by so and so, and <clears throat> now suffers with the enduring legacy of being a you know whatever what he was accused of being. So, <clears throat> excuse me again. Mm-hmm. The research is the uh, is the, the the most fun. The writing is fun, but it's hard because um, it's it's very difficult to tell a great story in a limited amount of time. So you have, I mean, in a limited amount of space because you've got 366 of these. Uh, we did a leap year this time, and it's um, you, you want to give it more than a wow, did you know sentence, but you and give it some context and some meat. Um, but uh, but not take up too much space. So it's all a challenge, but it's one of those challenges that I find, uh, you know, really fulfilling. I love history. I love um, I love rounding out history with these, uh, these wow moments. More about bad days in history with journalist-turned-author Michael Farquhar straight ahead. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You know, you've always got great questions and you know the material and you, and you care about it and it's, uh, it's, that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I'm willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County. Where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods. And in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Babies come with lots of decisions. Cloth or disposable? Crib or bassinet? 
So when it comes to protection, go with the safest, most effective choice, vaccination. Get all the recommended vaccines for your baby by age two to protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More about bad days in history with journalist-turned-author Michael Farquhar, straight ahead. I was just trying to remember uh, an author I had a a few years ago on the show who had written a book about uh, political campaigning and and, uh, dirty tricks, historically. Mm And, you know, yeah. and, and it was kind of interesting, these, these things that you talk about that, that you try to track down, uh, like, you know, which presidents wore women's clothing and, you know, stuff that was talked about them in a political campaign. But then how do you, how do you fact check that stuff, Michael? Well, that is, other... again, it's, it's a matter of going back to their biographers or going back to, uh, you know, the people familiar with, uh, um, with a certain era, the historians, or um, you, that, you know, one of the things I learned when I was at the Post is, I mean, you've really got to really do your uh, reporting, and that's no different when you're reporting history. Which, incidentally, is what I am. I'm a reporter of history versus a historian, uh, which is a key distinction. I mean, the historians are the ones that are in the, you know, in the musty files for decades on one person. And I'm the, I have the luxury of looking at their work and going, that's, you know, okay, okay, okay. Oh, look what I just found in your biography. So these are the, this would be the Ulysses Grant expert who would, who would, who would have told that story about the, uh, Speed, speeding ticket. It's not just some uh, random internet thing where you go, did you know that Grant got yeah. caught speeding? Yeah. You, gotta, you gotta do your homework. Like, like the Abraham Lincoln meme that, that has him signing a quote that says you can't believe everything you read on the internet. <laughs> right. It's true, but I will tell you, for research, the internet is invaluable for a number of reasons. One of them being if you're not, if you can't necessarily rely on, uh, you know, postings of facts, but you can be, you know, you can get dig deeper and know where to find that expert who knows everything there is to know about Andrew Jackson, or where, or where to get the, uh, you know, the the most uh, well-regarded biography of Abraham Lincoln. Um, and then I'm lucky enough to live in D.C. All I got to do is march down to the Library of Congress and grab it. Or not grab it. They don't. You know, can't check out there. But I don't. You know, sometimes you don't even have to go to the Library of Congress. I mean, if I'm pointed in the right direction of a of a uh, biography, for example, I will. Uh, I can go to any of the local uh, college campuses here. So it's a. Um, it's definitely reporting, even though you're not talking to the people because they're dead, but you're talking to the experts about them. Sorry about that, Michael. I got distracted for a moment. I was I was looking through my bookcase. I was trying to find that book so I could tell you the author that wrote it because it was a collection. Is it of, Paul Bowler? I I'm not sure. Um, 
But as I've read a couple of those kind of great dirty tricks, nasty campaign books, and they're and they're really cool. Um, and you know, any given topic in this collection could make a whole book. Uh, I mean, nasty campaigns alone. And I have, you know, I have a a sub series in here of history's meanest mothers. That could be a book. Um, I, I at this point, I'm still interested in doing a broader uh, perspective of history. It, you know, uh, that uh, without that such a narrow focus, but. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, these any of these books that you read, uh, you know, legitimate books about early campaigns, they were vicious. They make, yeah, they make they were. any of our modern campaigns look like, you know, uh, a, uh, a gentleman's club. It's, it, it's incredible how nasty it was and how vicious the part of partisan press was. I mean, even George Washington was getting shredded back in those days. Shredded. That's right, and, and there was there was one claim that uh, Abraham Lincoln didn't change his socks for ten days, or you know, some ridiculous thing, and yet people would you know go out on the stump and <laughs> just pour that stuff out yeah. there. Um, and then, in addition to calling him, you know, a gorilla. Yeah. Right. Right. Without- you know, just just attack, attack, attack. I mean, I don't know, one of the interesting stories in this book is um, George Washington's reaction to all the attacks on him. And we think of him as so stoic. And, you know, largely he was in public, but behind the scenes... Well, he, he even... Didn't he, mean, didn't he put out a, uh, a book on etiquette? I'm not sure of that, but I know that when he gave that very famous farewell address, it was like the fourth version of it, um, because it was a model of dignity and decorum. But it's like the three other drafts, were, you know, he was attacking back at all the, uh, you know, scurrilous uh, scribblers, as he called them. Um, and all the, I mean, he was, he was wildly angry at Jefferson and Madison, who he thought he, those were his Virginia brothers. And they were subverting him from behind the scenes all along. And, um, I mean, Martha Washington said two of the worst moments of her life were when uh, Washington died and when Jefferson came to Mount Vernon to offer his condolences. So that's just an idea of how ugly <laughs> it, it was. And, and you know, I'm, I'm taken by the story of uh, Andrew Jackson's parrot being escorted out of his funeral for cussing. Yeah. Now, how about that? Now, where are you? <laughs> now, you talk about uh, coming across, stumbling across somebody, something, and go, "There's no way. There's no way." <clears throat> so that was one of those ones that I carefully researched, and I go, "Indeed, he was." Uh, Paul was the name of the parrot, and Paul was um, a screeching uh, sailor at that funeral and got escorted <laughs> out. But no one should have been surprised. I mean, Jackson. Uh, in addition to having homicidal tendencies, was uh, a, a bit foul-mouthed himself. So it's those little nuggets that add a little color to, you know, what otherwise is kind of skimmed over. I mean, there's not a lot of school kids that can tell you anything about Jackson, right? Oh, sure. Uh, unfortunately, because the way we uh, teach history, it's very pedantic. Um for a, uh, unless you're a really good teacher, and there's some marvelous history teachers out there. There, there are, and I'm, and I'm glad you said that, Michael. But, but by and large, we teach history 
by names, dates, and places. Yes. Instead of telling the stories. And, and from a historical standpoint, why is it important to remember the bad days along with the good days? I think it completes the picture. I mean, I'm not saying that every uh, one of these stories is fraught with deeper meaning and larger purpose. I mean, some of them are just meant some to Some of it's now, for entertainment. You know? I get that. Some of it's for entertainment, but it's like, I, as I referenced the Founding Fathers earlier in our conversation, I mean, <clears throat> that's a very important thing to come away uh, from. Um, if you're learning about them in school, you're learning that they are uh, infallible, um, perfect men. And if you're learning about them from, you know, that other kind of... Um, my point of view, where you're just looking at their squabbles and you're looking at them not getting along, <laughs> you really do walk away from them going, wow, isn't it incredible with these guys? You've been, everybody's been to a stupid neighborhood meeting where they're doing Robert's Rules of Orders over which kind of you know uh, trash can people should have. That's what that I picture uh, on a much grander scale yeah, what's going just... on in Philadelphia, hot, August, smelly. And these guys who don't like each other anyway come together and, and and accomplish what? A new nation. That's awesome. It is it is awesome, but we tend to look at the accomplishments and the achievements, um, the outcomes, not necessarily how they got there. And, and the, the way you just described their get-together in Philadelphia sounds like a Flint City Council meeting. Yes, you, I mean, everybody <laughs> has those kind of experiences. Uh, I mean, I've, I've actually, one of my um, weird hobbies is watching council, uh, city council me uh, meetings on uh, on YouTube because some of them just become so ridiculous. And, uh, I mean, there's one in Detroit where uh, somebody on the council called the bald, the bald head of the council Shrek because she was so <laughs> frustrated with him. I mean, things don't change. Uh so it's, uh, I would say, again, I'm not trying to attach, you know, super weight or heft uh, to my work. Um, it's accurate history. It's true history. It's, uh, it's the stuff I liked reading as a kid or learning about as a kid that got me turned on to history. So, you know, perhaps if you're 12-year-old reading this and it lights a spark, great. You know, were there I, uh, things were there things in your research, Michael, that that surprised you, or was that actually kind of a criteria to make it into the book? Oh, I mean, it was a learning experience. You know, again, if you have a a love of history like I do, but a you know a, a very superficial, broad understanding of it, but you know, I'm not an expert in uh, in any uh, field of history. Uh, there's a lot you're, I'm learning and going, wow. Um, I mean, it's a learning experience for me. Um, <clears throat> I guess the benefit I have of, of being a student of history is that at least I know where to start. And I, at least when I'm reading about it, I know the characters that are involved. I'm not, you know, um, I'm not coming at it blind like I would be writing a book about calculus. Say, I know what I'm talking about enough um, to recognize the context of what's happening, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. Um, and, and, and I guess before we get too short on time, um, do you have some, some favorite episodes from the book? Did you come away with, uh, I don't know, Michael Farquhar's top ten? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, they're, all, they're all my favorites, which sounds so cliche. They're all my children, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, given <laughs> well, the it's like asking a musician if they have them. a favorite song. Yeah, uh, and especially hard because of, you know, the effort it was to winnow down each one of these two to one bad day. And then <clears throat> the various um, sways or the swaying of, of, of topics like sports to music to military. So it's really hard for me. But, I mean, you can take anything. We could do anything. I love all of them. I mean, I like when, uh, you know, um, uh, they put King George V to, to sleep um, forever uh, just to make his death uh, meet the morning, uh, more dignified morning papers. So they just shoved morphine in his jugular vein. I mean, you're going, wow, are you kidding me? <laughs> or, you know, when the Puritans executed these poor farm animals because some pervy Puritan had slept with them. Or, you know, when the Queen of Siam drowns because it's against the law for anybody to touch her so nobody could help her. Um, you know, it's uh, a pope unleashing on his um, misbehaved, unholy son. Uh, yes, son. Or when the Tate Gallery spends $32,000 on a can of some obscure Italian artist's poop. Yes, Poop. Oh, and it's also another can, incidentally, another can of crap is in you know New York's Metropolitan Museum of Art. I mean, it's crazy. History's crazy, and and it's and wonderful. It, it, exactly, that's the part I was going to say because um, at at the end of the day, Michael, when we see the foibles of people we think of as as famous or even infamous, it yes. somehow makes our own foibles seem more normal. It's so very true. Yeah, um, I mean, at the minimum, look, just go, if you're having a lousy day, um, it's no fun being being told to snap out of it by someone else, but you can certainly snap yourself out of it by going, okay, all right, yeah, what, perspective-wise, <laughs> so-and-so was having it so much worse. And then, you know, just have a little bit of a light feeling about the fact that we're always going to be have highs and lows, and uh, but we're also in between those are going to have some mortifying moments. Um, you know, we've done, we all do idiotic things, and when you've got these historic figures doing equally, uh, uh, well, any, not equally idiotic, they're doing it on a grand stage. It's uh, it is. It's just all very human. Did you and did you find what yourself do we share humanity? Did you find yourself, Michael, when you were putting together these collections of bad days, um, maybe mentally reliving some of your own bad days and, and putting maybe some of your embarrassment to rest? Well, there is. Uh, uh, I'll share with you this, Tom. There is one bad day in this book that involves me, and it's not narcissistic. It's when my behind made, uh, and I'm talking about my rear end, made the uh, pages of the Washington Post, as in a comment by an editor in a column about my total Irish rear end, which is a lack of rear end. So this is, this is uh, uh, you know, I'm an eager young journalist, uh, you know, ready to take on the world, and here is my, you know, my, beat, my butt in the pages of the Post, you know, the pages of Woodward and Bernstein. So, yeah, I relived that. I had to actually share it because it was it's pretty funny. Uh, 
how clever, <clears throat> excuse me, how cleverly he did it to me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm one walking foot in my mouth. I have been my whole life. So uh, I have particular sympathy for the people who say dumb things in history and it comes back to bite them. But, um, I, you know, my life's been good. I've been lucky. Yeah. Um, there's nothing that I look back on and go, oh, my God, what a horror. Well, I th- I'm grateful I th- for that, actually. But I think maybe some of that has to do, Michael, with your ability to see both sides, the the good and the bad and the relevance of both. Yeah, I just, I mean, uh, I think we can all agree that uh, nobody expect, uh, should be expecting a rose garden. Or, <laughs> I thought um, you, for some to, reason, Michael, I thought you were going to say nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. I, I guess I'm... <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm just too much of well, a Monty Python fan. Well, I was going to say, you remember, uh, do you remember Mel Brooks' History of the World? Oh, of course. The Inquisition. Yeah. What a show. Turning yeah, it mean, into a song and dance. That was so awesome. Uh, maybe you might want to consider this book a little bit of a of a semi-scholarly uh, song and dance. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> or at least certainly an homage to... Uh, all of the people who find the humor in everything. Um, Michael, yeah, this is so much true. fun, and we are getting close to the end of our time. And so I always want guests to have an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about. Obviously, tracking down the book, More Bad Days in History by Michael Farquhar, is a great place to start. But where can people learn more about you and your work, past, present, and future? Do you have a website, Michael? I do not uh, at this time. Uh, work in progress. Um, you know, I, I, basically my work is you know collected on Amazon and other um, online realtors, and you can see what I've been up to for the last twenty years of history writing. Um, there's nothing really exciting about what I'm. Gonna, I mean, I think I'm going to be plunging soon back into excuse me more research. So it won't be like, you know, your my blog with daily dalliances with fun Michael. So book-wise, um, you know, you can easily see a, a list of, of everything I've done. I started my first book with The Treasury of Royal Scandals back in uh, 2001. <clears throat> Excuse me, back in 2001. And I've been doing it ever since and has having a great time. And it's uh, I'm really happy that this is my job. Well, Michael, it's been uh, really fun talking with you, and I know you have more people to talk to, so we'll end it there. But uh, thanks so much for spending some time with me, and keep up the good work. Hey, Tom, it's uh, it was a pleasure. Honestly, you're a uh, you're a great conversationalist, and I really appreciate it. It makes it so easy for me because I don't want to sit there and blather. And you are uh, you guide me beautifully, so thank you. All right, take care, Michael. Bye bye. Peace. Again, that was Michael Farquhar. He uh, was a uh, writer and editor at the Washington Post and the best-selling author of numerous books, including the critically acclaimed Behind the Palace Doors and Secret Lives of the Czars, as well as his uh, 
Penguin Treasury series, a treasury of royal scandals, a treasury of great American scandals, a treasury of deception, and a treasury of foolishly forgotten Americans. And uh, his new book is a follow-up to his book, More. Uh, it's called More Bad Days in History, um, where the delightfully dismal day-to-day saga of ignominy idiocy and incompetence continues and uh, we're going to continue with the tom sumner program straight ahead another five minute mystery an anniversary party is going on at the brown household around the corner one of the guests George Taylor pauses while eating his dessert. Mmm, best lemon pie I've ever tasted, Mary. Oh, really? I wish my wife could do as well. Hey, it doesn't look as if Sam is appreciating it much, though. Goodness, dear, is my cooking that bad? Sam, your head is practically in your plate. I guess he's fallen asleep, everyone. I'm so sorry. (laughs) That's all right. Sam, Sam, sit up. Sam... (laughs) It's dreadful. I'd better shake him. Sam! Sam! Great guns, he's dead. How do you do? I'm Sergeant Barker of the Homicide Division, and this is one of my boys, Mike Grady. Where's the body? In the dining room at the table. We didn't move him. Hmm. Might as well be comfortable, everybody. This will take just a little while. Hmm. Dead, all right. Peaceful, too. Who's Mrs. Sam Brown? I am. You mind telling me what happened? I guess not. I'm so shocked. I don't know where to begin or what to tell you. Well, you might as well begin by telling me what you serve for dinner. Well, uh, we had soup first. Soup? What kind? Mushroom. And then roast chicken, green peas, mashed potatoes, and I served him coffee. But I don't see how this could mean anything. Just routine, Mrs. Brown. Did Mr. Brown eat everything? Yes, yes he did. He seemed to fall asleep over his coffee. Mm Mm-hmm. And when I tried to wake him, I found he's had a heart attack. Yeah, that'll be all for a few minutes, Mrs. Brown. We want to take a look around. Uh, notice anything about this table, Mike? No, Chief. Can't say as I do. Neither do I. Let's look in this kitchen. An orderly person, isn't she? Stacked dishes after each course. Yes, and here's the silverware over here. Ah, look. Look, Chief. One of these soup spoons has turned black. Black? Let me see it. The only spoon that's tarnished, too. Well, I was beginning to think it was a heart attack or the perfect murder. But this silver soup spoon is evidence enough. Uh, Mrs. Brown? Yes, Sergeant Barker? I'm sorry to interrupt your little party, Mrs. Brown, but I'm sure your guests won't mind. Uh, I don't understand. You will, Mrs. Brown, you will. You see, you're under arrest for the murder of your husband. Do you know why Sergeant Barker accused Mrs. Brown of murder? In a moment... We'll hear the solution. And now, back to our story. Sergeant Barker, how do you know it was homicide? Well, Mrs. Brown took careful pains to wash the soup pans and soup dishes before she served the rest of the meal. Yeah, I can see that. But she forgot one thing, to wash the silver soup spoons. What she didn't realize was that an hour later, by the end of dinner... The spoon her husband had used to eat his toadstool soup would give her away. She didn't know that toadstools make silver turn black. Mrs. Brown almost committed the perfect murder. But she forgot to wash one spoon. 
This five-minute mystery featured the voices of Sean Cantwell, Rhonda Groves Young, Randy Zimmerman, and yours truly, Tom Sumner. We hope you've enjoyed this mini-mystery. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work, and I want to be able to move around. visit with Michelle's mom to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 14th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMagno. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Lone Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan. Quiplet Technology. My Community College. It's pure Michigan. 
friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to tom at tomsumnerprogram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. There's a book written called Psychological Studies of Famous Americans, and it examines from a psychological viewpoint uh, Robert E. Lee and Ulysses S. Grant and uh, Walt Whitman, people like this, and tries to explain in terms of psychology why these people acted the way they did, that they really did not act from... uh, from valor or anything else, that there were deep psychological problems these people had, and that's why they reacted the way they did. One person they skipped that I thought would be a great subject for analysis, if they had analysis when he was around, was uh, Ben Franklin. I think he... (laughs) I think this man is ripe for analysis. So this is uh, Ben's analyst. And he's in a typical analyst's office. He has a, a, a desk and a chair and a couch and an intercom. Yeah, uh, who, who, uh, who is it, Murray? Ben, ben Franklin. Um, can, I, uh, can I duck him, Murray? <laughs> he's, he's, he's standing right there in the office. He's, he's dripping all over the rugs. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, send him in, Mary. Uh, uh, Mary, how, how's he doing on his account? Uh, th- three months behind, huh? Yeah, he's, he's thrifty, all right, Mary. All right, send him in, send him in. Well, hi, hi there, Ben. How are you today? Good. Ben, you want to you wanna lie down on the couch there? Uh, ben, you want to put some papers down on the couch so... <laughs> Don't uh, don't get the couch all wet. Well, I'd, I'd say from the looks of our clothes, we've been uh, flying the kite again in the rainstorm, right, Ben? <laughs> okay, Ben. Um, we copied down our dreams, did we? Mm-hmm. You, you didn't have to. It's the same one. You're you're walking down the street. And you, you find a half dollar, and your face is on it. <laughs> that's, that's pretty sick, Ben, you know that? <laughs> Washington has the same dream, only he sees his face on paper. Huh? You want to you give George my number, uh, Ben? <laughs> Okay, Ben, let's, let's see if we can't get to the bottom of this kite fixation thing. Um, the, uh, the lightning knocked you down again, uh, did it, Ben? 
You're, you're not surprised by that, though, are you? I mean, you, you expect it to knock you down, don't you? <laughs> you know, Ben, uh, you being a founding father and all, you know, it, uh, it doesn't exactly inspire confidence in people to see a, you know, a grown man flying a kite, you know? <laughs> it's too bad it, it, it isn't something a little more private, you know, you could, you could do in the privacy of your own room, like uh, spinning a top, you know, <laughs> Some, something like that. You have, ever thought of spinning a top, Ben? Wouldn't, wouldn't knock you down. Mm-hmm. That's, that's important to you, is it, Ben? Mm-hmm. Okay, let, let me see if I have the picture now, Ben. Uh, you're flying your kite, all right, Ben? And you're letting out the string. Everything's the same as usual. There's, there's something different this time. You, you use strips of cloth for the tail. Red, white, and blue strips of cloth. <laughs> where'd, uh, where'd you get the red, white, and blue strips of cloth, Ben? From, from Betsy Ross. <laughs> she, she's got plenty of it. She, she's up to wearing it, Ben? <laughs> now, uh, Be- uh, Betsy gave you the cloth, did she, Ben? You, you took the cloth. A, a penny saved is a penny earned. Why, uh, why didn't you ask uh, Betsy for the cloth, Ben? She thinks you're a sissy because you wear bows on your shoes. And, and she chased you down the street yelling, you're not thrifty, you're cheap. She, uh, she could have something there, Ben. Not, nothing, nothing, Ben. Mm-hmm. Why, uh, why didn't you uh, pay Betsy uh, for, for the cloth, Ben? Keep what is dear to you if, if you would prosper. Mm-hmm. Ben, I, I think we can get a lot more done if, if you drop the little homilies after, after each, uh, each statement. Ben, we don't seem to be getting anywhere with a with kite thing. Uh, let's switch to something else. How, how are the inventions uh, coming along, Ben? You, you got lucky this morning. You, you don't have to wear your bifocals anymore. The, the lightning fused your glasses to your eyeballs. What, uh, what are you going to call them, Ben? Con- contact lenses. <laughs> ben, I, I, uh, I sure would like to be more optimistic about your condition, but um, <laughs> afraid I'm going to have to recommend a shock treatment, Ben. Uh, I, don't, I don't like to do it because there are always uh, undesirable side effects. Well, what, what we do, Ben, is uh, we stick you inside the Liberty Bell and, uh, and we, <coughs> we uh, ring, ring it a couple times, you know. Well, uh, the problem is you, you, you quiver for about two or three years, you see. <laughs> ben, I'm afraid our time is almost up. We'll see you uh, next, next Thursday, then. Right. Goodbye, Ben. You, you get him, Mary? He ran ran out already, huh?
This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Something its Rotary Club can boast of Some product that the state Produces the most of Rhode Island is little but Oh my It has a product Anyone would buy Beaches come from Georgia And lobsters come from Maine The wheat fields are the sweet fields of Nebraska And Kansas gets bonanzas from the grain Old whiskey comes from old Kentucky Ain't the country lucky New Jersey gives us glue
pilots, get off of my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here.